Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we're going to be discussing sketches from the Fico Brothers and Mr. Bean. You can find information about this podcast as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me as co-hosts today, it's Seth Alcorn. Hello. And Elizabeth E.K. Kemp. Hello. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to have on as a guest, Jim Tatalius. Can't, I'm getting tongue-tied trying to say it, but how it. are you, Jim? Great. How are you doing, Andy? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Long-time listener, oh. first-time caller. <laughs> yeah, first-time, long-time. Uh, so, Jim, can you talk to us about your background in comedy? Um it's more of a background in trying to do comedy and yeah, not no, it, doing yeah. very well. So explain your background in, in trying comedy. Uh, I was running a humor magazine in college, and I took classes in sketch around What was it time. called? What was your humor magazine called? It wasn't originally a humor magazine. I took it over from another uh, group of people. It was called Statler and Waldorf, like the Muppets. Mm -hmm. And um, I really wanted to be on a humor magazine, and my engineering school did not have one. And Shocking. so I was, <laughs> I was like... Um, I'm going to turn this into a humor magazine very gradually, and that's sort of kind of what happened. So, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I really like doing print stuff. So, yeah, so I was doing that. Um, around then in college, I took some sketch classes in New York, and I was very bad at writing sketch back then. Very, very bad. All the sketches were just very, like, angry and, like, trying to prove points and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, and then I didn't do sketch for a while, and I started doing it in Philly, and I started to, like, it started to go a little bit better there. And then after a couple of years, I moved to D.C. and uh, started doing sketch stuff with Brick Penguin. And Brick Penguin, a sketch group in D.C., uh, our tagline is uh, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't know. Do you, do you like it? I don't, I, I don't. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Hmm. Like we say it hmm. every podcast. I just so desperately want uh, your guys' approval and blessing <laughs> right now. That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so uh, I'm doing that, and uh, right now, and uh, I have been doing the Sketch Jam, which is an open yeah. mic uh, my favorite for sketch nights. comedy. Thank you. And right now, I'm sort of it's I haven't been doing it the last few months, as you know, I'm sure, but like I'm trying to figure out how to make it work right now mm. because what it ended up being was something that I wasn't it wasn't working the way I wanted it to work. So the, the last time I went, it was in a unventilated basement at Dojo. Does that sound about right? Were you there, EK? It was I was there and then I was like, this is weird and very murdery. Was Not this, that you guys this aren't year, lovely. Or was this a long time this ago? This was a long time ago. So, oh, because the last one that I did yeah, was in an unventilated, in an unventilated basement. basement. In oh, it was, funny you should say. It was you and me uh, and Isaiah and Mike Bach, who was on last week's episode of Sketch Nerds. Love Mike Bach. And uh, my fiance, Sarah. And it was the, and Murphy, who, yes. uh, founder of Dojo, also in Brick Penguin. It was the six of us. Uh, yeah. doing yeah. some sketches. My reaction was like, I understand why women are not here. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, Sketch Jam is actually how I is eventually came to Bad Medicine oh. because I went to a Sketch Jam uh, oh, three or so years ago and I remember talking to uh, Jen Mm -hmm. uh, and was she running it at the time? Yes, I believe okay. so. Jen Got and Murphy it. were both there, and she recommended that I come to the sketch comedy happy hour, which is where I met Isaiah, and the rest is history. 
Cool. And now he produces my podcast. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, uh, our podcast. Whatever. This Bad is a power, This podcast. episode is a power grab. Stop fighting in front of me, <laughs> guys. All right, look, Andy, we all know the Patriots won. Yes. You can only coast on that for so long. You're yes, going to have to let that go at some point. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, but not today. Okay. Uh, all Beautiful. right. <laughs> I'm enjoying sitting back and listening to this. <laughs> Well, Jim, why don't we get to today's first sketch? Can you introduce it for us? Yes. Um, this sketch is called JPB's PB&J by the FICO Brothers. Um, they used to be a group uh, sketch duo in Philly, and I have not personally met them. I didn't know them when I was in Philly. I don't know these guys at all. But some people like that I looked up to in Philly said, hey, check this out. This sketch is really great. And so I think they're basically the people that the people who I looked up to in Philly looked up to. Yeah. Uh, when they started um so i saw this thing and it made me happy to watch it and it had this thing where the first time i watched it i kind of liked it and then i watched it and subsequent times it i liked it more and here's a clip well boys why don't you head on down to your neighborhood jpb's pb and j serving the best peanut butter and jelly sandwiches since 1993 yeah jpb's pb and j Serving the best peanut butter and jelly sandwiches since 1993. Everybody knows when you want a great sandwich, you head on down to JPB's. PB&J, JPB's makes peanut butter and jelly the way your mama used to make. So come to JPB's PB&J on the corner of Market and Fifth. By the subway on the north side next to the Quiznos and Caddy Corner to the courthouse. It's the only place in town that only sells peanut butter and jelly. All right, Jim, you kind of got into it a little bit, but can you tell us why you brought that sketch to us today? Sorry. No, uh, no, it's not funny. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it. It's uh, funny. It's weird. Um, I I enjoy it. It makes me happy. Uh and I show I've shown it to a few different people over the years, and uh, they always end up liking it too. Usually, so I don't know. I, I, this is one of my favorite sketches that anyone's ever brought to the show. Thank Absolutely, you, I thought you. this was so so funny because it was weird. When they started doing the jingle, I thought, and the jingle started going longer and longer. I thought the jingle was going to last the whole sketch, and I was real into that for a little bit. And then they cut back to these other things, and it's. It's really random. There are all these little throwaways that, like, the thank you, sheriff. Like, sheriff, what? And then the last verse, the one guy is just getting angrier as it goes on. There are all these little elements that aren't explained, but they just – they make it really funny for me, uh, at least. Seth, what did you think of this sketch? I agree with pretty much everything you just said. It is a delightful little <laughs> weird sketch. It just the the awkwardness of the lyrics in the jingle, the fact that it is so long, the fact that the jingle gets so specific, and the fact that the rest of the commercial is... So it starts off as something we would recognize as a commercial, and it has elements that we would recognize in a commercial, and then fairly rapidly stuff starts not to make sense. People told me I was crazy to open a <laughs> store that only sells PB&J, and they're right. I don't have enough money to finish this cent, you know. Like that that kind of stuff. It's like, why did that make it in? But it did, and it's great. <laughs> yeah. EK, what did you think? I really enjoyed actually I didn't I didn't get at first that they were actually playing characters. 
and and maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. I don't think so. But even as their mood changes and their frustration level grows, like I read it as two guys who are sort of charged with delivering this content. And as they realize they're mm. just going to have to do this over and over again, like you see the frustration huh. and the anger. Mm. They're just like, oh, we're done with this. Just yeah. go eat the peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, there's, there's definitely like there's a point at which one of them, like two thirds of the way through the sketch, looks at his script and just shakes his head. And then they keep going. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was really interesting yeah. that he that he was really in, that one that they were both reading it off the paper and two that. That the guy who wouldn't the video that we were watching, he was standing on the right, he was stage left, but he like he's he just kind of like walks away a little bit. He moves a chair around in the back. And I didn't know if that was part of it or he was just preparing for whatever the next thing was. Jim, I don't know if you have any insight into that. I don't. Um, I just want to say real quick, uh, the names of these two guys, because I looked it up, is Christian Alsis and Billy Bob Thompson, which I forgot to say earlier. I They're not like brothers they, or named Fico. <laughs> oh, no. But I feel like they probably should get mentioned. Yeah, I, I think that's yeah, I'm yeah, sorry for forgetting it. But no, no, no. Uh, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think they're just sort of working with the audience, you know. Like, yeah. the, you know, they're just sort of trying to stay emotionally in whatever they're doing, or divert, or, or ride the laugh a certain way, you know. Like when it gets like a lot of times they're like you know shooing away laughs and stuff like that, or like you know, or at, at one point he like walks away. I think it makes it more surprising when he doesn't finish his sentence and they jump back into the song. For yeah. example, that might be it. Um, but I totally agree with Andy, and that's something I want to talk about is seemingly arbitrary decisions that are funny. I couldn't explain this to, you know, in an academic setting why this a lot of the stuff in this works, but you just made a choice you made a choice and um it's funny and that's why it works. Well, I think it, I think <laughs> that's it, sort of what I feel about it. I think it gets to a core of what we what we talked about on our last episode about the unexpected, because even when it's the sentence where he's just emphasizing weird parts of the words peanut butter and jelly, yeah. jelly, yeah, it's because that's not how we would expect him to say those words, and yeah. it's that it's it's that little twist of something being a little bit different that is funny. And if you wanna if you wanna look at it that way, I mean, I, this might be reducing it too much but if you want to look at it that way that's what the sketch is all about it's a bunch of little tiny decisions that turn out not the way we expect them to that goes on for five minutes in a really great way yeah i think no i think i think that's a really good way to put it and and i think i i think you can lose track sometimes or at least i do uh lose track of when you're writing something just like there needs to be a little bit of magic there there need, i mean you can call it something unexpected but there should be something that is interesting and surprising that you're not just you don't just have this idea and you play it through the paces of that idea and then you're done there should be you know some kind of magic in there that it, for it to be great i think you know like and i don't know how to do that how to plan to do that except to just try things um but i really i don't know i feel like a lot of great things are, are, are through serendipity yeah. I, I, and I mean, I have to imagine that writing this sketch was not a straightforward process. There's no. there's nothing about it that seems like somebody could have just sat down and gone, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's everything I'm going to do. Like the song itself seems like it must have been just like, okay, all right, but what if, that if we added this? And then what if we did this? And one of the things that I, that I really like that they did, one of the things that they almost always do, not always, but almost always, is take a pause between saying JPB's PB and J almost every time in oh, that yeah. song oh, yeah. because those two things are almost always together and when they are it's JPB's 
PB and J. And yeah. Just to give you that. You put your breath. You put the beat stop. there, which yeah. is like an awkward musical thing to do well, right. because you'd want to finish the phrase. Yeah. And also, you, you're giving the audience a place where you might be stopping the song. Yeah. Right. Like They're, you keep almost ending it. And yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Right. But there's nothing in this sketch. I mean, it, it's one of those things I would love to t actually be able to talk to them about what the process was from beginning oh, to yeah. this performance oh, yeah. because there is nothing in that performance that is unpolished, unplanned, down to every little like hand gesture and like those are like they're the harmony in, in the sync, harmony you know, perfect. <laughs> You know, and even even timing those rests, that is not an easy thing to do, especially when you are not facing each other. That's yeah. I, I don't know how many hours went into just the practice of getting it to be that polished, but it's it's a pretty remarkable accomplishment. I mean, they may have just also had a lot of experience performing together mm -hmm. in general. You know, it could have been and maybe they um, they just were comfortable on stage to an extent together mm -hmm. as a duo where they could, you know where maybe they have instincts for some of that stuff that doesn't, you know, maybe it's maybe some of it's planned and some of it is instinctive. Now, uh, I'm going planned, Jim. Planned all the way. <laughs> We're going planned. <laughs> uh, EK, e Jim mentioned something about this earlier with just the two guys captivating an audience. How do two guys standing at microphones, staring at pieces of paper, manage to captivate the audience as they did clearly at the stage and to us as we watched it? I mean, it's hard to say if they were captivating in the room. I mean, there was, at least in video, there was nothing else to watch, really. They're obviously, they were totally engaged in it. They never broke once, which I guess I'm I'm still going to come back to the argument that it's very planned and very practiced. <laughs> um, they were almost completely, it was almost like a radio play of sorts or like a right. radio ad from way mm -hmm. back in the day, which also tended to be much longer because now I'm just reading about old radio ads as we sit here and talk about this. So it actually sticks to some kind of, it has some historical context. I don't know if that's what they were going for or not, but I don't know. It's, if, if you're going to, if you're going to take the gamble of just being two people on stage, again, there's that sort of inexplicable X factor thing that some people have and some people don't. And you can either just control a room and command that energy or not. I don't know that you can script that. I don't know that you can plan for that. You just have to, you just know it when you see it. That's one of the reasons I wanted to pick this. And, you know, why I was talking sort of about this idea was I love things that don't require a lot of production sometimes. Two people on stage, one person on stage. Another thing I was close to bringing, um, besides this one instead of this one, was um, a Peter Cook Beyond the Fringe thing, Memoirs of a Minor. I know you guys did Beyond the Fringe at another point already, but that's that's an example of a guy on a stage, sitting on a stool, just talking. Yeah. yeah. Like, and he could have been a judge, but he never had the Latin. Yeah. yeah. It's it's brilliant. <laughs> like, it's so funny, and it still kills, I, I feel like, in like if you show it to sort of a room of people. Um, and 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 the, just having like that kind of power with uh, with JPB's PB and J, they're reading from scripts. It doesn't yeah. matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, they're just funny. Are they reading from the script? Yeah, it, they're holding. The, see, this is this is. I I yeah. would say they are holding up pieces of paper to uh, make it appear as they are reading off a script. You tell me they didn't put their lines there on. There are paper. a couple of points when you can see that there are words on the page. No, I there there may if. very well be words on there. But, but they have a reason within the sketch they are, you're saying. They are clearly not reading as they are performing. Yeah. Like yeah. they they know they have that memorized. Yeah. 
it's, I mean, my guess from watching it was, I think they had the song memorized, but it seemed like the verbal parts might have, you know, all been written down. It seems to me like an old, as somebody who's done like monologues and stuff before, like it's, it's that great old trick. It's like, oh, I'm going to see and I'm holding a book. Flip open the page. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's I, I take my script into the book. You know, it's like I found a reason for this to make sense, but I'm also going to use it to be a little bit lazy. <laughs> but I think I think you're right. You like all that. great actors. Yeah. That, it, great. that yeah. it makes sense. Like they found a way to have it work, you know, but I don't know if like the audience would necessarily say that these people are playing radio actors who are like, and I think you might very well be right, but like, I don't know that it matters that much to the audience. It's just silly, you know what I mean? And that's sort of the set dressing that they have come up with to make the sketch work for them. But uh, yeah, but, I, I think it's 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 simple. I think it's pretty simple. No, it's totally simple. But I, I actually like the use of the script to create that kind of environment because yeah. otherwise, I think you, it's, I mean, in some ways, it's less of a gamble because you are creating a fiction. Whereas if it's just the two of them standing up there and clearly having memorized this thing, there's no opportunity for them to have those kind of what are seemingly in the moment reactions like, oh my God, we're doing this jingle again. And like, there's no reason at that point for them to, to show that change in emotion and getting more and more frustrated and angry over time. And also they would be relying entirely then on their energy and magnetism. And maybe maybe those two guys can just go into a room and kill just by their mere existence. I don't know. Never seen him live. Never met the guys. <laughs> I, I have to say, EK, that I interpreted the same way as you did. Like it, for it, it honestly, for a second, when I pulled up the video, I was like, what are these two guys doing? And then I'm like, oh, they are recording a commercial. They're two dudes yeah. recording a commercial. And yeah. one of the reasons that I would say that they're not necessarily using their scripts to read from maybe is because the script seems too long, even if you take out the jingles for it to be on one page. Right. I don't know. I don't know. We'll never know until we get them we'll on the show. Yeah, right. We did it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you, Fico brothers? Isaiah, can you Where reach out you? to them and see if they want to be on the show? <laughs> I, I want to talk a little bit more about the jingle. Yes. Because I, I thought the jingle was wonderful. <laughs> Jim, what are some of the elements of the jingle that that just make it so funny. Oh, it's got that cadence that jingles have. Yeah, yeah. That's what's amazing about it. But it just keeps going. Yeah, yeah. It's it like was amazing. Four jingles in one jingle. <laughs> right, exactly. It's got different cadences at different points. Uh, I mentioned this earlier when we weren't recording, but one of the things that I really like that just gets me is the phrase "the way mom uh, made the way the mom way your mama used, used to make." make. Yeah, <laughs> like why not just the way your mama used to? Right, the, the the song sets it up that what's being someone's yeah. making peanut butter jelly, but no, the way our mama used to make, and it's like just to just to go through, and it seems like they said several times, okay, how can we make it just a little bit more awkward right here? What can we do to make the song not quite work at this point? And it's so good, it's so good. I think I think my favorite part where it gets a little bit longer is when they do at the corner of Market and Fifth. Yeah. By the subway. And it was just like, oh, they're just going to keep going. They're giving their detailed directions for how to get there. <laughs> right, exactly. So that you don't pick the wrong corner of <laughs> yeah, the right. intersection. The corner to the courthouse. Yeah. <laughs> that harmony is really, really great. They actually, they do the harmony well yeah. there. Yeah. It's weird because to me, it sounds like a pop punk harmony. I don't know well, like what the notes are, but he just... 
kind of has this nasal voice that you hear in yeah. a pop punk song. I like this discussion of music theory in regards to sketch. I feel like this is a spin-off <laughs> podcast. It's uh, talk talking music. Talking music, talk, talking sketch. Talking music with uh, Andy and pop punk. Really oh, nailed man. that I quarter rest, punk. guys. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Way, way to just get out there and, and just like and just try hard, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I played in a pop punk band in college. We were called Third String Quarterback. We weren't. Oh, you had the number in the name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, this is great. Were there any other parts of the jingle that really made it hit home for anybody? The ear thing. Yeah. yeah. The part where they, because they both, it's like a full body. Like they both end up doing it. They're in perfect sync. It's like right, it's when they're really hitting the harmonies and you can clearly, you can make the distinctions between the voices, but they kind of do this dip. Yeah. It's great. It's just a great moment. And and I just want to talk about just like the the, the how you keep getting laughs from the same idea over and over again. Yeah. And like that's part of it, I think, right? It's like as soon as we like might be losing some steam on this idea, oh, let's throw in that harmony thing. And then as soon as that's losing some steam, uh, or before that, it's like it might be losing some steam and then we do the, the directions. And then when that's losing some steam, we do the harmonies. But my favorite thing that they do to like run out this idea is just the anticipation thing. Right. Like the first time you do it, audience doesn't know what's happening. They realize it's extremely long. The second time they jump into it, the audience starts laughing because they're like, oh, my God, they're going to do it again. Disbelief for like the first time, first line, disbelief for the second line. Then we're back in and then like a different emotion sort of gets us through and some of the same jokes get us through and everything. And then like when they jump back into the talking parts after they sing everything, that's funny too because they're like, oh, this sketch is still happening. They've sung it twice and they're still going to keep going. And then they do the song again and then you have the same thing again except they're angry and it's a whole different thing. And then they start talking even after that. Yeah. And it's like, and I think there's like some like disbelief a little bit from the audience, a little bit of like, you know, that, a little bit of that tension like, are they're still going. Oh my God, they're <laughs> not going to stop. Well, I, I think that's a that's it's we talked about it before, but repetition and just doing something yeah. over and over again at yeah. a certain point it becomes funny again. And yeah, and I think I mean I know I mentioned Family Guy before in this context, but they hit that that jingle was I I think as good as anything Family Guy did for this type of joke when it was on its A game. Yeah, it, yeah that yeah. that jingle just it's so good, it's just so good. <laughs> I love a certain kind of repetition too, where. You say the exact same thing like a few times to the point where like it's almost like you're presenting it like you think the audience is dumb. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you like like they didn't the, catch it the first time the or something. Ascertain sketch from kids in the hall. Oh, I have not seen that. I oh, want to look it up though. I'll send it to you. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. Our second sketch today is brought to us by EK. So this is um, a sketch from the show Mr. Bean, anchored by the comedic great Rowan Atkinson. Uh, if you've never seen Mr. Bean, it typically is like a long-form sketch. There's only two or three different stories or narratives per episode. Um, 
Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean, is an almost entirely silent character, and all of the comedy and the jokes are rely on sort of clowning and physical comedy throughout. In this particular episode, uh, he is making a trip to the beach. Here's a clip. Hello, listeners. Isaiah here, the producer of the Sketch Nerd podcast. If you have already watched the sketches that we're talking about today, then you would know that the Mr. Bean sketch has no dialogue. It is pure physical comedy. So I'm going to ask you to do us a favor. Please pause this episode and go watch the sketch. You can find links to it in the show notes and on our website. But if you prefer, I can describe it for you. Mr. Bean is visiting the beach and he's changed into some swimming trunks, but he's too embarrassed to change in front of a stranger. So he just puts the trunks over top of his clothes and then tries to remove his clothes while still wearing the trunks. It's hilarious. Now back to the show. All right, E.K., why did you bring that sketch to us today? Mr. Bean was um, one of the first major comedic influences for me. Grew up watching a lot of, like, BBC and British comedy. And uh, it, was, it, was com- it was very easy for me to understand, but it's also just a, a wonder to me how effective someone can be in almost exclusively physical comedy and just masterfully working very small gestures, you know, even down to finger movements or like eye and eyebrow twitches, but to so cleverly execute on what is essentially a blackout sketch, but drag it out into almost a 10 minute bit. Although it's it's much faster than that, I guess, but it feels long, but long in a great way. I want to talk about like Rowan Atkinson wide a little bit for a second, if that's okay. And yeah. Yeah. We talking yeah. Blackadder? I mean, I th- just Secret think Blackadder, everything. I was, I watched um, this interview he did on Colbert a couple months ago um, promoting Johnny English. And he was talking about, uh, Stephen Colbert told a story about when he met Richard Curtis, who co-created Mr. Bean, uh, also co-created Blackadder. Mm-hmm. And he said, Richard Curtis said the first time he met Rowan Atkinson, they were on stage, they were, uh, he was going to do a bit at uh, some some comedy night at Oxford. And he feels really prepared. He's got his jokes written out. And Rowan Atkinson comes on stage and holds a piece of paper and speaks gibberish for seven minutes. And it was the hardest that the room laughed the whole night. And it's just <laughs> Rowan Atkinson, he's just staring at the piece of paper, pointing it to the audience, going, and just kind of making these nonsense noises. I think it's just a testament to Mr. Bean as a performer, you know, uh, not Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson as a performer, getting into what you said in your introduction, E.K., about how, like, the eyebrows, the physicality, the face, so much in the face. Seth, what do you think about Rowan Atkinson as a whole? As a whole? I mean, um, you know. Well, um, He's got limbs. He's got appendages. <laughs> he's got a whole he's body. Got a rubber face. Uh, somebody in, oh, I think, uh, Baldrick in one of the Black Adders said something and then said, you rubber-faced git, and then uh, Rowan Atkinson's character walked back in. But, uh <laughs> I I really like him as a performer. I'm not necessarily a Mr. Bean fan, although I appreciate what he's doing in it. I like him when he's being uh, verbal and clever. Uh, so that's why I, my my first Rowan Atkinson go to is Blackadder. But this I, is so nonverbal and uh, clever. I understand, <laughs> but oh, they're fighting. Oh, uh, <laughs> but I just like the the verbalness of it. Um, although I will say, has anyone has anyone seen the Thin Blue Line? Or Thin Blue Line? Yes. It's not good. 
I don't. Uh, IMO. I don't. It was, is it at the documentary? No, 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 no. It was a. Uh, yeah, right. That's. I, oh, sorry. I thought, Blue yeah, Line. That, that is the documentary. But they're all no, Morris. It's about police? Yeah, yeah. except Air- it's a British sitcom. What? Yeah. No, no. He was they a, adapted that he thing was a, into a, a sitcom? Sitcom? No. I think we're just talking about completely different. It's a, it's, it's a phrase. It's I, a phrase. Yeah, yeah. It's a phrase I'm, ta- I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Okay. So uh, we're thinking about the wrongfully imprisoned guy yeah. from the Errol Morris documentary. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was, yeah. Nothing like failures in the American justice really just have you rolling on the floor. So no, I I just wanted to say it was it was really it was really weird to watch that because <laughs> the punchline is he was innocent that whole time. <laughs> Didn't murder anybody. That's a classic. That's crazy. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So anyway, <laughs> I don't even know that I want to continue at this point. No. Uh, there was there was a two season British sitcom called, if I remember correctly, The Thin Blue Line, and it was Rowan Atkinson, and it was I think it's Ben Curtis, right, who did the. Anyway, this what says it, Richard. Curtis Richard, Curtis, then I'm notes, completely wrong. Never mind. Wrong. Of love, actually. Uh, but I watched an episode or two of it, and it was essentially like somebody was like, "You know, you know, would be really good jokes right now in the in the early to mid 2000s. Why don't we just rehash some old? Uh, Are you being served? And we're just going to put it in a, a cop shop. And it was just, it was really strange to watch that mm. because just about everything else he's done, I've liked. Well, it's funny. I think one of the great things that I love that he did was in the London opening ceremonies for the London Olympics. Oh, I didn't see it. Where they're playing Chariots of Fire, and then mm-hmm. suddenly he's on the piano. Yeah. And he just has to play like one one quarter note over and over again. And he yeah. just starts looking at the sheet music and seeing it's just pages and pages <laughs> yeah. of this one note. And he's trying to like also like reach and grab a tissue or something yeah. like that. And it's just. Well, it's that's, just, a, that's it's a, a Victor B. Borga yeah. bit. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's it it it, it channels that Mr. Bean thing to yeah. come on back to Mr. Bean. Yeah. Of this silence, just kind of physicality and just subtleness. It's it's both subtle and loud at the same time. Yeah. Jim, were you a fan of Mr. Bean? Are you a fan of Mr. Bean? Um, well, I'll tell you, I enjoyed getting to see what the rough outline of Rowan Atkinson's penis and scrotum looked like this morning. <laughs> Uh, I dropped my kids off on the bus, and then I had my morning to myself, and I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> that's what he's got. Um, Let's see some and- old British penis this morning. <laughs> well, I was young. That sounds that's like it. the story you tell right before you're arrested, yeah, right. <laughs> like, right after you're arrested. For I had a morning. Um, so, uh, the kids I, were out of the house. It was fine. This <laughs> very funny sketch, very funny bit. I my experience with Rowan Atkinson, my favorite thing with Rowan Atkinson is that um, my wife's grandfather has to do with Rowan Atkinson and for me because he is a pretty formal person and maybe a little bit stuffy. And uh, his favorite comedy in the world is Mr. Bean. And uh, a few times he has pulled me aside and has said, like, you know, Jim, uh, I have to tell you about this wonderful Mr. Bean bit. (laughs) And then he'll instead of uh, showing it to me. He'll describe it <laughs> like in words, bit by little bit, for like five minutes, and that's my favorite type of comedy. <laughs> that's my little treat at like family get-togethers. the frog, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just him describing Mr. Bean is so great. But no, I mean, like, yeah, it's it's great. He's really talented. Yeah, I, I I don't know that much about him. I've seen a few bits. I enjoyed this one for various reasons, as we said, and uh, yeah, I liked it. I don't I don't know that much. I, I tried to watch Black Adder once, and I got an episode in, and it was uh, not connecting with me. I think it yeah. was 
it's old TV plus it's uh, in a different uh, context being British. And I do like a lot of British things, but this one was, it was, for some reason, it was impenetrable for me a bit. The first season is actually not the way. I, and, and I think, honestly, that the seasons two through four are better. But in the first season, Blackadder's the dummy and Baldrick, his servant, is the smart one, which is, you know, again, sort of a classic comedy bit. You know, Jeeves and Wooster, but in the, what was it, 15th? 14th, 15th century. 15th century. Yeah. yeah. When they reverse that and have Black Adder be the clever one who is helped by these completely inept people, I think it, it gets to be a little bit better. I'm redirecting to Mr. Bean. Yes, please do. So I know one of the things I really enjoy about this character and all, I mean, it's true across all of the different bits in the show is just that he's presented with what are very seemingly simple problems or issues that if he had any kind of common sense or was just a more normal person in general, he could probably navigate with great ease and aplomb. But instead, he he tries to maintain his sort of air of like, I know exactly what's happening in this situation, and and gets himself into all of these increasingly ridiculous situations, which are totally avoidable and but that's where the comedy comes in is you know like that moment when he manages to like pull his pant leg all the way through and he's obviously putting himself in a great deal of pain but he's like <laughs> really into it and excited that he's managed to accomplish this when in fact if he had just probably said something to the guy he probably could have just stripped down like a normal human being and and not had to deal with the acrobatics of or as it turns out, even if he hadn't said yeah, it right to the guy and he just stripped down as he's yeah, but, yeah. yeah. But you're saying he always doubles down. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Bean. Mr. Exactly. Bean always doubles down. Or triples down. <laughs> yeah. He's so confident. I think he's he's in this situation. So uh Rowan Atkinson described Mr. Bean as a child in a grown man's body. Mm. And it's that adult situations, not like in the sense of sex or right. murder, but having like the confidence of a child in those situations. And that's that like, I'm just gonna pull my pant leg through my pants. I was I was honestly just enthralled the whole time watching like, how is he going to do it? It made me yeah. think of Zoolander with yeah. the scene where they're ripping yeah. off the pants and all that or the underwear. What I, what I actually do like about Mr. Bean is that he's sort of a happy-go-lucky Charlie Brown. Like okay. his, his solutions always work for a given value of work. Like he gets to where he wants to go, but it takes him way more effort to do it and one of the reasons that he usually relies on this sort of, this is not exact, but sort of Rube Goldberg type plans is that he's trying to do that most British of things, which is avoid being embarrassed in public. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and, and yeah. that is okay. that is what he's trying to get out of. And he almost inevitably does something that embarrasses him more anyway or would. It doesn't necessarily have that effect, but it, it takes him like three times the time and five times the effort. Yeah, happy-go-lucky, though. That's interesting. Well, never... he, you don't really see him, like, you occasionally see him upset, but he doesn't have that, like, Charlie Brown sort of depressed thing going on. You know what I mean? No, he's definitely not depressed. Yeah. I would have I would have characterized him more as a little bit, uh, like, yeah. aloof or yeah, smug think, or something I, like I that. Aloof is part. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's weird. It's, it's aloof and confident, though. I really think the confidence yeah. is a key part of it. But there's also the whole, as you talked about, he's he's nonverbal yeah, for most purposes, yeah. and and he's basically silent, and so he relies so much on his body and his face. And Jim, is that something that you can write for, or is that something you have to basically know your actor and kind of direct them towards? How 
I, How do you create physical comedy when you are not the person who's doing <laughs> physical comedy? Uh, uh, past experience, I think, usually. I've had uh, some luck with writing for people where uh, I know they're really funny and I can sort of write things that are a little bit crazy. But once you're comfortable with working with good people, if you have good people that you work with, and we all do, and I think we're all lucky for that reason, like... They can, you know, you you know, it's really about casting, I guess, right? You know to give it to somebody who's going to do something good, you know? And sometimes it doesn't work. Very often it doesn't work. I've I've written something where I'm like, hey, do this with this kind of energy. And then a person will be like, they'll do it and it totally doesn't work and the whole thing doesn't work. And I'm like, well, I'm scrapping that sketch because the whole thing didn't work. And I thought I was comfortable enough, you know, I thought I knew that, you know, I could channel this energy through you. And um, I was wrong. So it's, it's, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's like a relationship. I, I know it's something that I like to think about when I'm directing a show is you want to put your actors in positions to succeed. And mm -hmm. I think like when you know you have someone who can do something physical, then you can set them up in this way. You don't want someone to be in a position where you don't think they're going to do the best possible job. Sure. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. And hopefully you find that stuff as you're writing, you know. Yeah. As as you're writing something, I, I've written and trashed so many things that seemed like great ideas, and then <laughs> you try them out, and it's like, oh, I, was, you know, I was putting a lot on you there that didn't work, and, and I was wrong in anticipating, you know, what your skills were with this and what my skills were at writing this, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's tricky. It's, like I, I said before, it's all, I, I feel like this whole thing is a crapshoot, and it's just like, try it. Yeah. <laughs> try it. Does it work? Nope. Try it again. Does it work? Oh, great. Wonderful. <laughs> try it again. Does it work? No, definitely it, not. It would be fascinating to see what a Mr. Bean sketch looks like on paper. Oh, yeah. I, I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. How much do you think it's, I mean, obviously the beats are laid out, but how much of it is improvised kind of as they're going through it and all that. It's... Also, how do you figure out how you can put a swimsuit on over your pants and then take your pants off? Like, just, is that a direction, or do you just know you can do it going in? Well, but, I mean, most of that has to be planned out, right? Because a lot of the Mr. Bean bits are single take, aren't they? Ooh, I didn't know that. No, I have no idea. I, maybe That's maybe I'm not remembering that right. I thought most of them were single take. Hmm. It's been a while since I saw it. So, I mean, I, obviously I saw this one, and I can't quite remember if this one is... Single take. I think it had angles. Yeah, it cut between a few things. Did, yeah. But it had. It probably had long takes, right? Yeah. 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 I don't I know. Mean, long I'd takes have... are nice for comedy, often, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd have to go back and watch it again. Maybe I'm just confusing very long takes for single takes. But I mean, it, it's fascinating. Just you have to know that. I mean, you, Rowan Atkinson has to have a certain level of flexibility to be able to do all of this. Uh, I don't think. I don't think just anyone could pull off that pants move. Oh no, no, no. Oh, you mean literal flexibility? I yeah. Mean, oh, like, I, yeah. Oh, I mean literal. I mean, there's also there's the there's the flexibility as an actor to do the stuff he's doing because he's very talented. But also there's the literal flexibility of being able to kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important things is co in comedy is to stretch. Yeah. Mm. What are we so stretching? You want to warm what? up, what? basically. Yeah, and hydrate. Stretch yep. and hydrate. Stretch and hydrate. Yep. It's just good for your joints. Oh, you gotta yes. do this. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, think of how much funnier you'd be if you stretched <laughs> and hydrated. <laughs> yeah. Are you well, hydrating, Jim? You got a bottle of water. Oh, two hey. bottles of water. You guys provided me with water. Thank you. Oh, don't it's, give away the trade secrets. I only hydrate for podcasting and not for sketch. I, uh, <laughs> I stress for sketch. Let's, that's and it has not been working. <laughs> You know, this is kind of, uh, this is a bit of an odd question for this sketch, but EK, is there anything you would have done differently in this sketch? 
No. Um, I. Yeah, I don't really have anything either. I just thought a lot of times we look at a sketch and think, well, this maybe would have worked differently like this. But Seth, Jim, do you have anything you feel like? Can I jump in for a second as a listener of this podcast? Yes. And say sometimes uh, I, I'm, I'm angry <laughs> as a listener of this podcast and I'm like yelling at my phone because I'm like, because we have these like classic all-time <laughs> sketches and bits, Andy. <laughs> That I'm the first episode I listened to was uh, the Chappelle show, Black White Supremacist. Yeah, and and you were like, "What? How do we like the ending? <laughs> how would we rewrite this to be? They stuck with us because they're amazing. But that are you not satisfied? Never. What do you need? Never are are you not entertained? Uh, uh, are you, you not, not entertained? entertained? It's, it's Rowan Atkinson. He's got a life of providing comedy for people around the world. But sometimes... Well, but well Jim, so, thanks for being on your first yeah. and last episode I'm of sorry. Sketch Nerds. I'm so sorry. No, I'm so no. sorry. It's just, yes. So it, does Larry the Cable Guy. I mean, I, mm. like, I would not necessarily say... I mean, just because something is like hugely successful and you know sits in, in a place where everybody remembers it, I mean, it's not, it's not perfect, but... One of the reasons I think that comes up to defend what is admittedly arrogant of us to do is that you remember these sketches and then you go and you watch them and you're like, yeah, I remember this, but I remember that. Oh, I, oh, that's right. It kind mm -hmm. of did that. Like it's 90%, 95% great. And that's what you remember. And then you get to the point and it's usually the ending, not always, but usually the ending where it just kind of goes, uh, you're like, oh, why did it do that? It reminds me of that when we talked about that Gerald Ford sketch from the Dana yeah, Carvey that show. Definitely, yes. Which Gerald is like Ford Gerald died. three and a half minutes of phenomenal jokes just out of this world. And then this painfully racist joke at the end of it that's like, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think some of it is, and obviously that's an extreme example, but we can look back at things with hindsight and say, yes, whether it's a product of its time or all of that. But I, I think there are, I think we would be doing a bad job as critics if we didn't look, take a critical eye to things and look at things that we thought could be better. Yeah. I guess it's tricky with the role because we're all, we all try to do this stuff. That's true. But also we're, we're being critics right now. And I think that's a tough thing because part of me feels like, who the hell am I to have opinions about some like about someone who can do this better? Well, than they, me? they say every music critic's a failed musician, and I, I think so. It's just like a matter of time before I really I think, could put. No, the, I mean we're all self-acknowledged failures, Jim. That's why we're here and why we're not out doing stand-up right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, <laughs> we should get out there. We should yeah. uh, get, get a few nights in. If we, if we really wanted to be successful at either comedy or podcasting, we just started interviewing people in our garage. All right, it's time for the end of the show. Jim, as the guest, can you uh, come up with a rating system for how we rate the sketches today? Put a lot of spin on that, Jim. <laughs> really leaned into it. Yeah. My rating system is the number of times that you sing JPB's PB&J. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yes. So if it gets three, then we have to sing it three times in a row right now. If it gets about if it gets 15, oh, no, we have no, to sing no. it. I don't think the show's right not now. long and enough. I also, I also think the FICO brothers would have something to say about that if we did it. The FICO brothers? The Fico Fico. brothers. You're talking about the FICO brothers. That's the... Uh, yeah, they're the credit the, scores. Yeah. They're the keepers yeah. of the credit scores. They like to get a little crazy down at the credit bureau. Every Friday they do some skits. It's hilarious. <laughs> All right, Jim, how many... Uh, 
times through JPB's identity protected. PB and J. No. Would you? Uh, how many times did you sing that jingle for this sketch? Um, I would sing it uh, three times okay. for the number of JPB, PB, and J jingles there are in that sketch, plus one for uh, good luck, like you would on a birthday cake with the with the good luck candle. I like that. That makes sense. For me, I, I I would I'd sing it ten times. I could keep singing that song over and over again. I found that I have. Mm -hmm. I don't remember if I said this when the mics were hot or not, but uh, I was singing it last night before bed, and uh, my fiance was very, very upset with me because of that. She was like, "Now I'm gonna have that stuck in my head while I try to sleep." <laughs> were you mad because I fall right to sleep? It takes her a lot. Just, What's up? Were you inside her at the time? No. Oh, God, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would annoy me. <laughs> I, like, I'd be very sympathetic. Anyway, we're we're getting an adult content warning on this episode. I can tell you that all right of our now. relationships right now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, it's like okay. that is not right. how you get. This is the to second spinoff, which is talking about not. the uh, sexual relationships of every person in the uh, uh, DC sketch comedy scene. <laughs> how are we doing, folks? Seth, how many times of the jingle would you give this? Uh, hang on, let me give me give me a minute to come back to the absurd rating system from the place that we were just in. Okay. All right. I'm going to give it. Back there if you I'm going to give it five five sing throughs, one wow. normal, one bored. And the last three increasingly angry. I like that. It's great. I like that a lot. EK. Beautiful. I'm gonna give it two sing-throughs, but one of those sing-throughs is gonna be after eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with the crust cut off and cut in just like a perfect symmetrical square. You know, like half or maybe like diamond cut. You know what I mean? Like like the diagonal cut? The diagonal cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Kids love that one. Yeah. So it's almost like you know, it's it's a little bit decadent. Mm. Maybe with a glass of milk. Ooh. You got to line that to the edge. Milk build, builds strong bones. Yeah, it's which important. is also critical for a comedian: hydration, stretching, and calcium. This yeah. is great, guys. Yeah, this is, this is quality <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I like to talk right about here. physiology. I mean, you got to stay healthy. I, uh, you know? <laughs> That's what we want for all you out there. Yeah. Uh, Ek. We're gonna and live forever. <laughs> on to Mr. Bean goes to the beach. Um, flexibility and strong bones seem to be important for Mr. Bean, both in this sketch and otherwise. How many hijacked my rating system with a milk-based rating? <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't gotten to it yet. How many There's glasses? How many glasses of milk? <laughs> no. Um, how many times through the jingle would you give uh, Mr. Bean goes to the beach? Uh, I think this one gets four jingles from me. No extra flair on those. Just four, four rock-solid peanut butter jingles. Nice, Jim. I will give this one uh, uh, two, two uh, sing-throughs, and you, uh, I have, I have not forgotten that all of these need to be sung actually because that's what the. <laughs> you, I hope you're you asking me to come up count. with one, and I took that responsibility seriously, and I feel as though that's being shirked right now. Uh, I think for me, I thought I you would... listened to this podcast. You know the rating system is irrelevant and ultimately <laughs> doesn't matter by the time. All right. Uh, I would uh, I would give this one I think three times through the jingle. It's it's good. It's fun. It's not my favorite Rowan Atkinson stuff. I honestly I, I probably think Black Eyeder is his best stuff. But I I love Johnny English. Um, I think those are really funny. Yeah, I I I think about a solid three. Can I make an addendum to my rating? Yes. Which is I, it would be bumped up to a three if it could be. Uh, Recited, uh, described to me verbally by my wife's grandfather. I would. That was, I, I believe would that's give the, it that the true way. extra oomph in yeah. my book. I think that's how Rowan Atkinson designed the show to be uh, communicated. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Seth, one, but 
It's sung by Rowan Atkinson as Mr. Bede while he is eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Ooh. Possibly in the car listening to the jingle. Ooh, that Seth, is, I'm glad I closed with you. That's, that's real lot. good. That's yeah, a lot right that's there. Nice. That's good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Jim Tatalius, for being on today's show. Jim, where can our listeners find you out in the world um, or online? Go to Brick Penguin's website, brickpenguin.com. We have a show on April 6th. Come see it. It at our best, it is like loud and yelling and uh, throwing candy at you, and weird and sweaty and fun. There are a lot of good adjectives. And uh, or just uh, email me, I guess, jimtatalius at gmail.com. Why not? That's very dangerous to just put that out there on the internet like that. You know, there's a lot of uh, Chinese bots listening to this podcast. <laughs> Most of our listeners. Yeah. Trawling through, uh, transcribing it. That's our entire you Patreon. You know who else just puts his, his uh, Gmail account out there? Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle. Listeners, please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. You can find more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. Links can also be found in the show notes. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Jim Detalius, Seth Alcorn, and Elizabeth E.K. Kemp, I'm Andy Weld. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit BadMedicineComedy.com. <laughs>